Welcome to Fire of Genius, a podcast dedicated to all things intellectual property, presented by Indiana University Maurer School of Law's IP Theory Journal. My name is Jackson Walbaum, and I am a 2L at Maurer. I'm Tanner Wilburn, also a 2L. And I'm Hunter Schwitu, also a 2L. On today's episode, we'll be discussing the Supreme Court's decision on the Bad Spaniel's dog toy case, which attempted to parody a Jack Daniel's whiskey bottle. So Tanner, tell us about the facts of this case. Sure. Because this is a bit of a nuanced argument, it may be helpful first to go over a little bit about what trademark law is. A quick refresher. Trademark law provides legal protections for words, phrases, logos, packaging, any identifier that is used to distinguish the source of one company's products or services from another. So one of its primary functions is to identify who is producing the product or the service, and this is known as its source identifying purpose. Trademarks serve as source identifiers so that consumers know, recognize, and find products from brands that they know and trust. And infringement occurs when another entity uses a mark that's too similar in a way that could mislead a consumer about who is responsible for making a product. So that's a quick refresher on trademark law. And now that we have that, I think we will be able to understand the nuances of this case. VIP Products is a company that makes silly squeakers. It's a line of rubber dog toys designed to parody popular alcohol brands. And one of those toys created by VIP is called Bad Spaniels. It mimics the trade dress and trademarks of Jack Daniels Tennessee whiskey bottle. The Bad Spaniels toy copied the square shape of the iconic Jack Daniels bottle as well as its black and white label design. The words Jack Daniels were changed to Bad Spaniels. The old number seven brand on the bottle became the old number two and other humorous Dog-related phrases were also substituted on the bottle. But Jack Daniels holds registered trademarks in many elements of the packaging and marketing used, including the Jack Daniels words, the old number seven, the arched logo over the name, and even the overall square bottle design. So these trademarks, in Jack Daniels' opinion, are highly valuable in identifying Jack Daniels as the source of its whiskey products. So after VIP began selling the Bad Spaniels toy, Jack Daniels demanded that they stopped on grounds of trademark infringement. When VIP sued for declaratory judgment that its parody toy was legal, Jack Daniels counterclaimed for infringement and dilution violations. So VIP's argument essentially was that, of course their design is based off the Jack Daniels bottle, but its use of that Jack Daniels trademark was protected parody, and it was non-commercial fair use under the Rogers test. And so the lower courts agreed, and they held that VIP's parody dog toy was an expressive work shielded from infringement claims. One of the key facts to note in this case is that VIP products used the Bad Spaniels trademark and trade dress as a source identifier to brand its own line of dog toy products. So even though the dog toy communicated a humorous message parroting Jack Daniels, VIP's use of the trademarks served to identify VIP as the source of the Bad Spaniels squeaky dog toys. And we'll get a little bit more into that, I'm guessing, later. Thank you, Tanner. And so the one thing that I really stuck out to me was this Rogers test, which, you know, I haven't really heard about before. I don't think it's very common in terms of trademark, but I guess in the case of parody, it's a very important test. And this seems to be what the court is relying heavily on to rule in favor of Bad Spaniel's dog toy, right? Yeah, it seems that way. It seems like they relied completely on the Rogers tests for this decision. So um, Hunter, would you be able to explain to us what the Rogers test is? Yeah, the Rogers test comes from a 1989 Second Circuit case, Rogers v. Grimaldi. And a performer, Ginger Rogers, sued the creators of the film 
Ginger and Fred. One of the things she alleged was trademark infringement. She believed that the film uh, gave off the impression that she was associated with it. Uh, and she had a survey showing that most people did, in fact, associate her uh, with the title. And uh, despite that, the court really was in favor of protecting artistic expression. And they believe the, the, uh, the policy side of that was stronger and it was worth upholding. So from that, it still established a two-pronged test. And to determine if the title of, a, of an artistic work is protected, two things must be true. One, the title of the work must have some artistic relevance to the underlying work. And two, the title is not explicitly misleading as to the source of the content of the work. Thanks, Hunter. And I definitely see the similarities between Jack Daniels and Dog Toy Case and Rudders v. Grimaldi in terms of uh, Jack Daniels actually brought to court evidence through surveys of likelihood of confusion by the consumers about whether the Bad Spaniels dog toy was official affiliated Jack Daniels merchandise. And so I guess what they're saying is that here the Bad Spaniels name, that logo, you know, the font and all that, that is the title of an artistic work that is actually relevant to the underlying work, which is a dog toy making fun of a Jack Daniels bottle, trying to seem like it and make it seem like your dog's drinking Jack Daniels. You know, I think that's pretty clear that's what's going on. And I think it's also fair to say that it's clear that the title of the Bad Spaniels parody is not explicitly misleading as to the source of the content of the work. So they're not explicitly trying to trick people into thinking it's Jack Daniels which is a much harder thing to prove than just simply likelihood of confusion by normal consumers. So Jackson, I don't know if I would agree with you on whether or not it is explicitly misleading, but the Supreme Court, I believe, did not factor in the Rogers test. Is that correct? Yes, sir, that is correct. And that's actually the key issue that the Supreme Court uh, decided on and really emphasized. And that is definitely the key takeaway of the change in law about parodies and trademarks from the Supreme Court case. So the Supreme Court basically said that the Bad Spaniels dog toy cannot be used with the Rogers test. So, and the reason why that the Rogers test cannot apply to the Bad Spaniels dog toy is because they, meaning VIP products, use the Bad Spaniels toy as its own source identifier to its dog toys. Now, they even admitted this themselves in trial, and this can be, this is further evidenced by the fact that VIP Products has a whole line of Silly Squeaker toys of different types of liquor bottles being turned into dog toys, like Blameson on the dog instead of Jameson Whiskey, Tweedos Vodka instead of Tito's with a picture of a cat on it, and even Heine Sniffin Premium Sniffer beer that looks like a Heineken beer bottle. So the court basically took from all of this and also VIP products themselves admitting as much that if you're going to use the parody as its own source identifier to your own product line, then the Rogers test is not relevant at all because the Rogers test, as they say, only applies to artistic expressions only. So it can't be artistic expression and also a means to commercial or financial gain. So essentially, VIP is riding on the coattails of these famous brands for their own line of products. The court is basically saying, you know, these are parodies. 
but they aren't artistic expression, they're knockoffs. So overall, instead of bad spaniels just serving in an, an artistic expressive function, it also helped distinguish VIP's dog toys from competitors. That is something the Rogers test is not applicable to, according to the Supreme Court. So, in light of this new ruling by the Supreme Court, Tanner, what does this mean for bad spaniels moving forward in the legal system? So one of the things that we should mention before we dive into some more procedure is that the Supreme Court decision actually cited our very own Professor Janus in his 2007 article called Confusion Over Use, Contextualism, and Trademark Law. And if I understand the article correctly from a quick read, Professor Janus argues that trademark law should take uh, more of a contextual approach when evaluating if a defendant's use of a mark is infringing or not, um, versus allowable ornamental or referential non-trademark use. The court directly quoted Professor Janus. The article explains why the Rogers test does not apply when a trademark is used as a source identifier. So I thought that was really cool. So the Supreme Court did reverse the holding of the lower courts, but this doesn't necessarily mean that Jack Daniels is the winner here, right? All the Supreme Court said is that the Rogers test does not apply when the alleged infringer uses trademarks to designate source, um, as VIP products conceded here that it did with Bad Spaniels. The court remanded this for analysis under normal Lanham Act trademark rules without the Rogers test, and noted that VIP's parody is still relevant and may make consumer confusion less likely, but the core issue here, now that the Rogers test doesn't apply, is whether VIP infringed or diluted Jack Daniels' trademarks by essentially doing what you said, Jackson, making knockoffs. Which I think is going to be much worse for VIP products in the end. I think I agree with you, Tanner, about it's going to be a lot more difficult for bad spaniels moving forward just in terms of this shocking resemblance of the Jack Daniels old number seven bottle and the dog toy in every respect. So basically what this court is saying is, you know, get rid of this whole Rogers test, get rid of this whole artistic expression argument, and let's just go back to the fundamentals, likelihood of confusion, are consumers being confused by this dog toy as to who produced it? So in light of this, what you could say is a return to the fundamentals. Um, Hunter, what would you say we should be looking out for in the future? And specifically, what should makers of parody items and parody products be aware of going forward in light of this ruling? Yeah, a few things. They should certainly be careful to only use as much as they need to to convey the original brand. Do enough to, to maybe signal what it is without going overboard with that. And especially with this ruling, uh, they need to be sure that if they're using their parody in a certain way and whatever the creation may be, that parody is not the source identifier for their own line of products. And uh, that'll take some creativity from the parody makers, but that is what that area of law is for. And, you know, VIP has an entire line of these toys that mimic many different brands. So we'll see if anything else comes their way from a uh, litigation standpoint after this decision as well. Couldn't agree more, Hunter. And as always, remember if you're a little bit concerned if and unsure if your new parody parodies um, of trademarks that you created, which you do want to sell, if you're unsure if that's going to cross over into that line of being your own commercial identifier, it's always important to seek out a licensed attorney in your area for advice. So one of the things that I'm confused about here, or maybe not confused, but just don't understand is why does Jack Daniels care 
in the first place that someone made a dog toy that looks like their bottle. I mean, I understand their arguments that they're saying the toy could confuse consumers as the producer. Like, maybe, maybe I can see that one. But that the dog toy damaged the reputation of Jack Daniels by having a dog toy that looks similar, I, I just don't think I'd buy it. Well, the cynic in me certainly agrees with the Tanner and thinks that uh, Jack Daniels maybe just saw somebody else making money and wasn't too happy about it. Yes. And probably thought they should have got to that idea first. But uh, from a legal standpoint, uh, Jack Daniels, one of, their, one of their main arguments was the desecration of their mark. And that is when an adverse party's confusing mark is offensive and damages the reputation of the mark owner. And one thing they really pointed to on this dog toy it says the old number two on your Tennessee carpet and really was hammering the association between their fine Tennessee whiskey and waste coming from a dog inside a house, which is certainly looked at as a negative by most people, I would think. Um, so Jack Daniels really pointed to that. It's a, a classic standard trademark argument, but uh, seems to be rather powerful here. And I think also for another reason why we might see such zeal and litigation from Jack Daniels going after this dog toy is once again, the entire line of silly squeaker uh, dog toys that VIP products has been coming out with, which the Supreme Court actually points to its decision about why it is not considered protected under the Rogers test. We see similar and similarly, you could say offensive or distasteful uh, parodies of other liquor and alcoholic beverage and even soda brands. The uh, Heine snippin' uh, for Heineken, Blameson on the dog with a picture of a man farting with his dog. Very obvious knockoff of a Jameson whiskey bottle. In light of the popularity of these toys, especially dog toys, which seem pretty common, I think I understand how the argument for the desecration of the mark being stronger and stronger. Where my confusion is with this is, I don't know if the Supreme Court had to rule that this was not a parody in order to send this back in order to say that you cannot just collect a bunch of famous brands and switch them up a bit and sell it as your own brand. See, I think there's a distinction here to be made between the colloquial use of the word parody and parody as a legal term of art, because it's almost a technicality that the Supreme Court is saying this is not a parody because it is a parody by a normal person's standards. But parody being a operative term of art in trademark law means that because Bad Spaniels was its own trademark and used as its own source, it is not, by VIP product's own definition, a parody. So maybe they could have gotten away with this and not faced any of this litigation at all, or at least one <laughs> litigation, if they had not used themselves as their source identifier and just stuck with they are a parody of Jack Daniels. So, uh, Hunter, what's your opinion on the ultimate ruling in this case from the Supreme Court? Well, yeah, after Tanner's explanation, I, I'm, I'm with the Supreme Court here, you know, and I, I think Bad Spaniels just flew a little too close to the sun. You know, they they, <laughs> they got a little too big with this, and it, it wasn't going to work out for them. So, you know, that maybe that's a mistake on their part. I don't think this is something that's going to destroy parodies or anything like that. You know, it'll be interesting to see if this does have an effect on that area and especially related to trademark law. But, you know, I'm, I'm with the Supreme Court on this one. Yeah, I think I agree with you. In a way, VIP kind of maybe tried to take advantage of a loophole. Maybe maybe they followed some bad legal advice and had a lawyer who said, 
you should register your own trademark and then you can't be sued for infringement, obviously, if you're copying your own trademark. But I think that the VIP is maybe going to suffer here on the basis of a technicality when they may have gotten away with this based on the Rogers test. Yeah, I think I agree with both of y'all. And I think just what you can say is that Supreme Court kind of saw through all the muck and all the uh, smoke from um, Pat's panels. And they basically, what they saw was what was really going on was a company riding on the coattails of famous brands, Marks, and just making a similar switch up on all of them. Pet-related humorous names and bottle-shaped dog toys that they can then just turn around and sell on the merits of the original Marks recognition. And yeah, I think just moving forward, the key takeaway is don't make a whole lot of knockoffs and trademark them and try to defend them as your own when you can see that most of the artistic work and the recognition of your trademark is coming from an original mark. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Fire of Genius. You can follow us on Twitter at C-I-P-R-M-A-U-R-I-P-T-H or reach out to us on our website at iptheory.com indiana.edu. Thank you for listening, and we hope you tune in again next week.